you're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad. I'm sitting across from Stefan Hannigan and I'm delighted for the opportunity. Stefan originally from Belfast, well established in Canada at this stage, and well established in the music industry and in the folk and the traditional. Yeah. And um, Top Falter Road, welcome, Stefan. Oh, go me my head. Belfast, Yeah, Tommy is as Belfast, yeah, uh, but uh, then moved like a lot of people to London because uh, I had a choice of going to Oxford to, to do some fancy stuff there but then I heard there was a course on making musical instruments and I thought I've got to go to that so I ended up going to London College Furniture okay. and uh, learned how to make pipes and flutes and trained as a luthier and then part of the course was like audio uh, so I learned a lot about audio and, and how to record stuff and then got involved and all that but in order to even do that where did you get introduced to music? Uh, that's a good question uh, you, you know like this so my my father knew that I had a passion for music I knew my uncle was a, was a fiddle player and he was also Gregory he had his gold fond so the language and the music were connected and uh, we have to flash forward in the story to when my dad was 89 he decided uh, to come over to, uh, to Canada to visit us and uh, the first thing we knew about it was I, my iPhone rang and my dad was FaceTiming me and I'm like this is a bit strange and he's all he likes all the tech you know and he says do you guys have such a thing as a snow shovel I said yeah we do he says well why not? don't you use it I said what are you talking about he says I'm outside they've got himself all the way over from the, the northeast of Ireland a little place called Garn Point using the government scheme for free travel and then got himself a bike and at the age of 80, 87, 89 89 he came over for a visit you know strangest thing but anyway the reason I bring this up is uh, uh, TG Cahar Air Radio and uh, we were listening to it you know and uh, my dad started to sing and he sung every song Ask Gary the whole time for three hours during one show another show come on and he knew all the songs in Gaelic I had never heard him sing right never mind Ask Gary so I'm like my mind was totally blown and then he told what me age, what age were you then? Uh, well this was just gone not, not long ago ok he was 89 so that was ok so that you're talking about first recently like uh, yeah. he, he died ten, uh, like this year at 99 yeah. so it was 10 years ago right so I had no idea that he had all of this language and song and then I said ok well, like this is all new to me he used to like take me Heather and Yon when I was going to sessions and sessions and you know scores and all that stuff and I always wondered why he bothered you know because he liked the music but I didn't know how much it turned out his mum died when he was nine she was a Gaelic speaker from the Glens of Antrim and she gave him his love for music right. but when she died he said uh, my soul died so he never sang again and that was the first time in how long 80 years that he sung blew my head you know yeah. and so now like, well, I used to think well maybe it's my uncles and my aunt was an Irish dancer and my other uh, uncle on my mum's side was a shanaki a storyteller yeah. and I thought well maybe it's through that but like when you get it legitimized you know from the source and find out that he was a singer yeah. Yeah. and his, his mum like knew Shamos and he wasn't just singing like you know Bayana Kamara Gondi and Clara it was yeah. all you 
know, all the old stuff, you know, yeah. and Rokia and Carrick and, you know, stuff like that. And I, what? Where's all this coming from? So anyway, it felt really good. And my son, who's a fantastic uh, boron player, he plays the pipes and whistles and flutes and stuff. So it kind of legitimizes the line, you yes. know what I mean? Cause oh, yeah, I, more worse than you, that, you realize, yeah. I'll tell you after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, I heard about this course. And, uh, uh, you know, our family were working class Irish. Like, the idea of getting hold of a set of eleven pipes was just beyond impossible. So I thought, like, in the arrogance of youth, I'll just go to the course and uh, I'll find out how to make a set of rolling pipes and then I'll I'm on. But anyway, the course was amazing and, and I made flutes. So I, the first flute I played was the flute I'd made. Yep, so um, uh, I realized the best way to get a set of pipes is to, you know, persuade them that I needed to learn how to make them. And uh, they uh, let me make the tools, make the reamers, and uh, you had to do the research. And so I made this canal set uh, out of Coca-Cola. I mean, the, 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 I was there for a lot of, you know, for a few years. I was there for a few years. And uh, in walks in Kevin Rosen. And he was there. He also took the course. You know, and he was still there when I left. And uh, Kevin and I were good friends because that we would hang out, you know. And then, having furnished myself with a, a set of pipes, I actually bought a set, um, you know, before that, like a practice set for very little money, um, with a, a vinyl bag and all that. And so I went off to the Pipers Club uh, down in, uh, in London, uh, in Camden. And uh, my teacher was a guy called Billy Brown, who had a wry sense of humor. Fantastic teacher. And uh, 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 Tommy Keane was there, and, and uh, a whole bunch of other fabulous players. And Liam O'Finn would come over, and a whole bunch of other people would all come over and do workshops. And uh, I remember one time I was learning the Mary Blacksmith, one of the first tunes I learned. And uh, he'd give it to me like two weeks before. I'd go there every two weeks. And I learned them, you know, because when you're a student, you have time. You can do your studies, but you can, like, practice hard. And I said, so, uh, I've, I've got the Mary Blacksmith. And uh, he said, oh, okay, play it for me. And I played it for him. And, of course, being a smart ass, I thought I would make all these embellishments and stuff. He said, so, anytime you want to start playing the Mary Blacksmith, let me know. I says, what? He says, yeah, well, that wasn't the tune I taught you. I don't know what the heck that was. He said, it was vaguely a real, you know. And when you're 21, you think you know everything. You know all the shortcuts, you know. So that was me back to learning about short rules and long rules and plans and back to the drawing board. But it, it uh, taught me a lot about hubris, you know. Pride comes before a fall. <laughs> I said, hey, this is the sort of what I thought we worked on the pipes. I said, oh, you do, do you? You think that would be better than anything that, uh, you know, uh, Liam O'Flynn or, or, or Willie Clancy or, or Seamus Ennis would come up with. But you, you, you've figured this out, have you? He said, well, that's great. I'm just going to make some calls. And not everybody you know in the Irish tradition, music world, you've solved the problem. <laughs> and I'd be going on like that, you know. Yeah. But it was with love. Yes, know, wasn't, yes. wasn't being harsh. And uh, yeah, I, I had a fabulous time there. And I would go up there like every two weeks and learn. And uh, it kind of came full circle when I was with a, another friend of mine, a brilliant piper called James O'Grady, who uh, still lives in Luton in England. And uh, we went to the Pipers Club for a wee visit. And uh, 
uh, one of the teachers was there and he said oh good he said they have a student just come in and they'd love to learn the Mary Blacksmith would you go into your room and teach this kid the Mary Blacksmith and I thought oh my god it's perfect <laughs> I said I can die now I've created you know the loop has been completed right, right. and I taught in the very place and I said to the kid don't mess with this too he said there'll be there'll be trouble if you do and anyway I you know taught him the tune and uh, you know I was there the week there and he had the tune the yeah. proper way and it was great, it was great but it just felt so good to, to do that and then I guess while I was in there I was getting involved in the Irish music scene and I was working with uh, um, Eno Brand who you probably know of uh, you know uh, out of Toronto fantastic box player uh, her niece was a fiddle player called Teresa Heaney and Teresa ended up working with river dance and all sorts of stuff but we had a little band together and we called it Shanae you know because my dad would always say that you know at the end of something you go ah Shanae yeah, yeah. that's it you know yeah. so that's a great name for a band yeah. you know so we put together this band uh, we had a keyboard player uh, Neon Pipes James O'Grady on Pipes Jerry Dever who's an amazing fiddle player uh, he joined us on fiddle after Teresa Heaney left and uh, a guy on he played drums and tabla which is an interesting mix bringing in the south you know the, the Indian stuff into it all you know and we had a lot of fun we toured a lot did a lot of gigs and then after that I met uh, Simon Emerson uh, from a band called the Aquacal Sound System yes yes. and they were looking for somebody to tour they just made this fantastic album Davy Spain was doing other things probably and uh, so they said to me would you come and work with the Africans and play pipes and I was like wow amazing so I toured with them we did uh, big festivals uh, in uh, Australia and New Zealand and then went to Glastonbury Festival which was you know the big the big festival in the UK and Ross killed it I think there were 100,000 people there you've probably never heard Ellen Pipes before you know so I got into that and then uh, session work so I you know make albums where you know somebody phoned me up and they'd, uh, they'd want to somebody to play the pipes on a crazy album and one time it was Bjork and another time it was Depeche Mode you know back in the day they were the big rock bands and uh, so I did that and then I you know I also at that time went over to meet a guy called John Losberg from Austrian Publications and John started out these little ballad books and it would be like 32 tunes you know and he would go around the sessions and go around the flowers and find out what the popular songs were and a lot of people were complaining that they couldn't easily find these music books so he went and became a publishing company and would publish all these books and did a roaring trade and then uh, I got a phone call from John and he said uh, you know nobody's really done a proper in-depth forum book he said can we fly you over to, to Cork and uh, you know play some, uh, play some tunes or sessions around and maybe you could you know get the book started okay. so um, I was lucky to be able to play with all these uh, rock and roll bands that needed some like angel dust and I remember being a kid growing up and thinking I don't want to play drums bass guitar not interested in any of that stuff because all the rock and roll bands do that I want to be like the angel dust guy I want to play that bizarre instrument 
instrument that they'll phone you up and go we need a guy that plays a bazooki or, or, or a, you know Armenian duduk or whatever you know yeah. and I like we'd learn all this stuff and when I was touring with uh, the Afro Celts and, and other bands uh, then out of the time to travel the world and then find guys to play these unusual instruments yeah. and then some of the guys in the band might be having a few pints and partying and seeing who the local beautiful people were and I'm like no I'm looking at this guy that plays a, an instrument and I'd spend a week or whatever learning you know figuring out stuff so it got me very interested in music from all around the world um, it's interesting yeah, well first of all I have the Afro-Celt in my library I've had it for years right and uh, I was very impressed when I heard yeah. it the first time it was powerful and it's interesting you talk about the different instruments because I've seen more and more unusual instruments being introduced and yes. it's powerful and I think so yeah and to hear the different sounds and how they, they reflect well yeah but the question I have then is when yeah. you were going down that road yeah had your parents any concerns about you <laughs> oh, that's a good. No, uh, I'm not talking about uh, extracurricular concern. I'm no, talking no, about. No, no, I'm, I'm going to make a living. Yeah. Uh, well, my dad, he he, he had the whole ha- attitude of, um, you're going to do what you're going to do. I want to support you 100. percent He says, um, you have the brains to be an accountant or a lawyer, uh, and maybe that's something you should consider. You know, and I and I thought about. But the problem was I was hooked. You know, I knew I knew that yes, I could do all that stuff. Originally, I was going to do what they call PPE at Oxford, philosophy, politics, and economics. And uh, some people thought maybe I should have stuck to that and you know stop playing. But when I went to uh, when I went to Ireland, John Lusberg as I said, uh, asked me to write to Boromberg, and then out of that came a lot of teaching and stuff. And then I realised that I had a passion for teaching. And I, and I wanted to do that so then um, I ended up working with different bands and then met Saskia in fact there's a funny story uh, about Saskia that how we met and it always makes you smile you know so here was Saskia this beautiful 18 year old fiddle player uh, I was working with some English lads um, they were um, uh, Dave Swarbrick Martin Carthy a guy called uh, John Kirkpatrick uh, another guy called Roy Bailey and they had an English folk band like Supergroup because these guys had played in Fairport Convention and a whole bunch of other things and when they announced the band originally it was like Roy Bailey oh yeah ma- amazing singer uh, Swarbrick and Carthy Fairport Convention wow amazing John Kirkpatrick Albion Band uh, you know a whole bunch of other bands and, and Stephen Hannigan and then it was like mm-hmm. who's this guy but I was there playing pipes and flutes and percussion and stuff and filling out that that whole thing but because I met all those people I got to do a lot of folk clubs anyway we end up at Whitby Festival Saskia is there playing with uh, some band I'm there with the you know the big group that's the headliner if you like and the uh, the festival director said look go go forth and, and multiply you know what I'd love you to do is just join in the sessions there'll be people there it's their, it's their big chance to play music it's all they do during the week if you want to you know mingle with them anyway so I walk into this room and it's a room like this it's full of people uh, it's crazy music and a seat becomes available a guy leaves 
on the right beside Saskia. You know, and I'd never seen her before, and I just thought, wow, what an amazing, and she's a lovely player, and a beautiful woman, you know. And so I, I sat down, and I had my pipes, I got them all, I played a few tunes, and, you know, hello, hello, you know, usual stuff. And then I, I listened to her play, and I said, you're a fantastic fiddle player. And she looked at me, she smiled, and she went, yeah, I know. <laughs> And later on, we found out what that was all about. It was like, yeah, I've heard this line before. You're yeah. just trying to get into my palms. You know, it's like, you got to do better than that, you know? So anyway, we became friends. And then, like, three or four years later, we got together. And we've been together ever since, you know? Um, but, so, like, my early career was also, I'm really interested in teaching people. And so, because of the festival stuff, they say, can you come and teach? And a lot of people that come to teach at festivals, they can play their instrument, but they have no clue how to teach. They're just... The festival hired them now, they've got to spend yeah. an hour getting bored while somebody plays a board or whatever. But for me, I love that. Right. And so... Like, in order to figure out how to play the boron, which I have been playing since I was a kid, uh, my brother got it as a present, I got a tin and he got a boron. So I would steal his boron and, you know, try and figure it out. But anyway, um, I would be teaching all these people, and, and uh, I thought, okay, a book would be good, John wanted me to write the book, and I thought, how am I going to learn? I thought, I'm going to play left handed. I'm going to teach myself to play that handed. So everything that's in the book, I would, you know, look at it and see, is that right? Does that make sense? Right. And it was a good, it was a good plan. Um, I got into them teaching, and then because uh, I was in London, uh, I went. There's a working man's college, and it was called Working Man's College, Morley College, and. Uh, I got talking to somebody who's a jazz flute player, and he said, you know, I hear they're looking to develop a course for Irish traditional music. And I was 19, and you had to be 21 to get into the course because you weren't a master. So anyway, I went over and met this guy, Michael Grobart, who was the, uh, the principal, and he said, is there something we'd interest you? Like a 10 whistle and more on class. You started without you. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, you'll catch up. And, uh, anyway, so, he, uh, I, I, I'm really good at, like, being really analytical about stuff. So I, I, I actually said, here, here is a, a 30-week program for beginners. Here's a 30-week program for advanced. And that calls you your 10 muscle. And here's a 30-week course for everybody. Um, and there's three courses. And, uh, this solves all of my problems. The funding people want us to be inclusive, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, at the age of 19, I started teaching a workman's college that I couldn't actually join in any of the classes. And then I did that for a long, long time. And then uh, developed another couple of community colleges, did uh, some courses for them. And apparently they're still running, you know, and uh, I still meet people that have been there. I end up probably teaching 3,000 people, you know. Uh, lot so, Stefan, do you miss the Miss Home? Do you miss Ireland? I do, yeah, yeah, with a passion, you know. And if, if things were different and uh, uh, the economics were different, I'd be there like a shop. Yeah. The only thing is, uh, I, I think the whole issue is the politics of Brexit and stuff like 
that are really holding back Ireland from, you know, being a, a, a strong European power like it was. And ultimately, what I care about well, leads to jobs, more jobs in, in my in my chosen fields and stuff. Uh, I feel like when I met Saskia and we moved to England and we had some kids, I I thought, okay, we'll, we'll head back home. I got a house there, you know, and uh, that'll be good. I couldn't find anything to sustain me. Yeah, you know. No, and the reason I ask is because, like, when you said you were teaching in England at 19 years of age, yeah. So you like you were effectively gone from when you were what, yeah, 17, 17, 18. 18 yeah. So you know that there's something deep in all of us. That is like the, the eels bringing us back to the Saragossa Sea. It is, yeah. And even though you may have been that age yeah. and you're gone yeah. for that length of time, yeah. there's still this innate or something deep yeah. that, that can't be touched by any other way. No, no. And honestly, when I drive, uh, you know, I get to Larne and I, I drive up the coast road to, to County Antrim, which became our house. Uh, Garn Point. There is nothing like that feeling. Opening the windows, smelling the sea breeze, and knowing you're about to go home. It's nothing like it. Yeah. Nothing like it, Lord. You know. And I've got good friends up there, so I know that I'll drop my bag. And if it's uh, you know a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, I'm heading straight to the session. And the funny part of that is when you describe that, a saying my father always had says you can't eat the scenery. No, no. You true. It's, it's so true. It's so true. And you know, one of the big issues was I was starting to pick up work uh, as an audio engineer uh, and doing recordings, and also being in recordings. Um, and then that led to a set of recording studio uh, named after my son called Ocean Studios. So that was good. But then that led to a college contacting me and said, Look, could you teach these kids about live recording and engineering? And they knew I toured all around the world. So they said, can you bring your expertise? So I was like 26 at the time. And I ended up working at this college. And they said, uh, would you go full time? I said, no, 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 that's not who I am. If I go full time, I'm telling you about the good old days about what it used to be like. I said, I need to be in the industry. So I said, I'll, I'll do full, you'll pay me full time, but I'll do four days a week and I'll do some evening classes. So I'm going to put on evening classes to teach kids. And at the same time, we were running uh, Northampton Coaches. We set up a branch in Northampton. So I had the sneaky idea of getting the college to pay me so that I could set up tin whistle and boron classes. As cold as. As cold as. Yeah. But they were being paid for by the college because they said, well, you need three more hours. I said, oh, then I have the perfect solution. So I'd run an evening class in tin whistle and boron. Uh, in the middle of England, you know, and have kids coming in, and uh, you know, and we'd get kids ready for flowers and all, and it was under the auspices of the Northampton College, and then Saskia would teach fiddle, so it was perfect, you yeah. know, it was the perfect thing, and uh, then I would, you know, uh, when I was younger, I didn't compete in, in the in the All Irelands and stuff. Uh, but when I was like 19 or 20, I, I got in with a, a good crowd of people, my and Gil, 
and her son is Emmett and uh, Kira Gill's a lovely Constantine affair and that, that's another story we all ended up going to New York and playing at the Lincoln Centre uh, for uh, a whole show which was how uh, Lindy Hop and Jazz and Tap came to America and we were the Irish part of the show and it was like an early river dance to be honest you know um, anyway so uh, teaching there and it was great and you know felt good and uh, my kids were growing up and Austin was learning the ball and the kids were learning learning to sing and play a bit of fiddle and you know that and then uh, we all moved here so when did you come here? Uh, 2007 okay yeah 2007 and uh, so again I continued uh, we got involved with Maureen Mulvey O'Leary pretty much from the, the nanosecond we arrived I knew about Maureen because who doesn't know about Maureen you know and uh, got in contact with her and uh, I said I'm really interested in so I then joined Coldus in Toronto and then got involved in all the shenanigans that that's involved and then uh, Chris Lang and Wake would get involved in this and stuff for them and then uh, we set up a session uh, in Bowmanville and in Newcastle which went until they sold the pub and turned it into a sports bar but for the longest while we had a Friday night session and we had everybody come through you know, all, all the goods and dates come in and then uh, we ran house concerts and uh, we would have like Paddy Keenan, uh, Kevin Burke, uh, you know, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff like caliber come and play in Coburg and you know we'd have to go to Toronto for that stuff yeah yeah wouldn't happen so we'd put on these like regular events and uh, as a side story it's quite funny uh, there was one particular uh, uh, I think it was September uh, we'd uh, got Kevin Burke and uh, he's a lovely man lovely and he did a workshop and a, uh, uh, an evening concert and he was selling the CDs for 20 bucks I said Kevin here's the thing you've traveled a long way and uh, the place is full and they'll never see you again so I think that's got to be worth another five dollars per CD I said you've got to sell out anyway you might as well make some so he sold out and we put a lot of money in his hands that day and uh, I remember we're sitting at the coffee table the next morning he's reading his paper and, and I'm doing my stuff and there's no like what was it like in the early days because I like people to have their space you know and I think he remembered that because two weeks later I was back home uh, to see my dad and uh, a good friend of mine who's a real goer and he's uh, he's uh, doing his MA in uh, 1922 to 1924 that's the time period he's living in Ireland which as you know is a kind of busy time anyway um, he had just had a, a particularly bad uh, split up from his, his, uh, his wife no, he was staying at his mum's and uh, I was there for like a couple of weeks and I said to him uh, do you want to meet for breakfast and tell me your woes you know so anyway he said sure uh, can you pick me up at my mum's and I'm like oh boy how the mighty have fallen you know picked him up and he went upstairs to talk to his mum and I saw his guitar in the corner so I put it in the car and I didn't say a word you know and uh, anyway you know when you're talking to somebody you haven't seen in like 10 years or whatever it flows anyway we get to the Dublin bypass and he says I'm hungry I thought we were going for, for breakfast I said I 
and here we are. Anyway, off we went, and before he knew it, we stopped at some some pub to have food. Had food, and he says, "You're kidnapping me." I said, "Correct." Okay. He says, "Okay." Uh, and anyway, we 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 ended up in Ennis, and uh, I had Black O'Connell over uh, a few weeks before. He was he was doing a concert, and he's lovely. And him and I get on like yeah, really we, well. We also them with. Um, Cyril, Cyril, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had them that he, time. They, they were around. Fantastic people. Yeah. So I knew he he was uh, holding an event on, and I was uh, you know uh, one of the many festivals in Ennis. And I also knew that Sean uh, would love that. And I also knew he's a huge fan of Kevin Burke. You see, and I knew Kevin Burke was playing there as well. And I thought, chance me on seeking it. So I get into the door, and there was Blackie on a seat. Of course, Blackie opened up a seat, and we sat there and we played toe to toe, lots of pipes, and Blackie said. Here, try this chanter, you know, all the usual stuff. We had a fantastic time. And then Black, he said, You know, Kevin Burke's playing at the, the such and such a place in Ennis. He said, Let, Let's go over and see him after the session. So we went over, and I kid you not, Kevin's got a great memory for faces and people. And uh, Sean Garland, uh, my buddy, he's like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, Kevin Burke's here, we want to see it. I said, Yeah, yeah. You know, I said, I'll try and introduce you, but he won't remember me from a. So anyway. We're sitting there in the toilet are beside us. Kevin Walk walks out and Sean immediately knows who it is and he's like all excited. And then Kevin of course because he just met me. He says, Stefan, how are you doing? You wanna see your man's face? <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He said, he said he said, Do you know Kevin Burke? I said, No, Kevin Burke knows me. <laughs> And of course, Kevin will have forgotten all this now, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like it was a long, a long time ago. But it, it was a lot of fun. And then uh, we went on to another session, and Sean was like ripping. He was, he was he's a nice guitar player. He says, "Why the hell didn't you tell me?" I said, "They've got a confession to make. You know, come out to the car." He says, "What's up? Well, we've got to go now. And the session's about to start." And I went, flicked the button, opened the trunk, and there was his guitar. He says, "Oh!" So we were in. We had a feed of tunes until three or four in the morning. We went to the B and B, and it was shut. And the woman said, "If you're enjoying yourself past twelve o'clock, you can't come in." So we had to find a hotel, and this is no word of a lie. We find this hotel, and the guy who was the custodian opens the door. He used to own the hotel, but when the Celtic Tiger took a down sweep, he ended up just as the as the bus boy kind yeah. of thing. Anyway, he says, "I see you got some instruments in there." He says, "Where have we come from?" And we told him the story. He says, "Oh, I love trad music." He says, "Guys, you must be hungry. Do you want an Ulster fry?" So anyway, we sat there at four o'clock in the morning. I had an Ulster fry, and he says, "Do you need some?" to stay I guess that's where you're the hotel you know I said yeah he said well look you can stay here for nothing if you play a tune for uh, one of the the, uh, the staff in the morning she's uh, bossing tables and uh, she's from the Czech Republic and it's her 18th birthday and it would be amazing if you could like whip out the pipes and guitar at the kitchen uh, at the breakfast table and play her you know happy birthday I said oh, where are your men so we went up to bed had a lo- lovely Hotel, woke up and had breakfast and smuggled the pipes onto the table and we got the nod and we started to look at her and, and so can't remember her name now, we'll call her Cresta. I said, Cresta, she looked over and I said, Happy birthday and we played and tears rolled out her. Anyway, I told you from the Czech Republic, two years before Saskia and her three kids toured as a family band, Clam Hannigan, and she was one of the dancers we met. 
You couldn't make this bubble. You couldn't, you know? So anyway, uh, we then went to uh, uh, a lovely place. Uh, you know where the Dolman is? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. So uh, we had, uh, we went to the Cliffs of Moor. Yeah. I had a great time there, you know. And Sean was still telling me about his woes. Then we went up to, you know, it was getting to be sunset. And I thought, this is great. Uh, we'll go up there, see the Dolman, take some pictures, and it'll be great. So anyway, we get up there and it's dusk and it's just the two of us there and I'm taking pictures of it good and then we notice we just look around and there's just a couple you know and they're about maybe 18 or 19 you know and they're all dressed in all the golf stuff and the rings and the nose and all that there and uh, they're kind of hanging around and going oh this is a bit weird so anyway the guy picks up the car and says uh, have you taken enough pictures I said yeah he said well we get her off because we're going to do a ceremony uh, on top of the dolphin and we don't want anybody taking those kind of pictures and then I clicked we're doing like a wee fertility ritual on the top of the dolphin so we had to run like embarrassed hit for the car <laughs> and run like hell anyway 7 o'clock the next morning uh, I got him into his job in the civil service and that was his weekend right um, we've got to keep an eye on time yeah because we have a start and an end time here go ahead go ahead so anyway no fantastic but since you've come here you are um, artist in residence so, uh, we're oh Saski did artist in residence for uh, uh, for the Focal Arts yes. International yeah yes and yeah. you know when you arrived in here like us yeah. you came in here where the, kid, the kids were born and grown like ours were six and nine yes yeah, same kind of thing it's a different thing when you arrive as a family yes and yeah. um, I don't know for you but for me I'd been self-employed for eight years beforehand yeah right so right. My, all my references were signed by me yes yeah exactly yeah and you literally have to start from the ground up we did so yeah. I get from you <coughs> this wonderful zest that is telling me that whatever you've you've been blessed with yeah. what you've been able to do from when you started yeah at 17, 18 when you left the North went yeah. and up until now yeah that not like so many who have a passion particularly for music yeah they have to compromise that passion because they haven't been able to sustain it economically yes and you haven't been you haven't had to do that not really I mean I, I've, I've combined it with working in the industry yeah so uh, I, I'll go to some venues and they know me as a lighting designer all the people know me as an audio tech all will know that I built the props for that particular show so I've found that uh, theatre has been really useful for me and I've got a lot out of it and uh, I kind of grew into the job you know right. and uh, so I can do that and then also play and Saskia's all that's all she does she teaches she plays she's working with Selvis the String uh, she's got a great quartet called Medusa where they bring an Irish trad and it's like a string quartet but she also plays Nickel Harper there's a woman from Poland plays these amazing instruments from Poland which nobody's ever seen and they call them the forgotten fiddles right you know uh, so yeah we've always managed to do it and I think that uh, teaching people how to play releases a lot for people and we're you know very much committed to doing that 
to wrap up I think it's very appropriate and the reason it's so appropriate is because the consequences of your life yeah. are that you're here doing what you're doing in Godridge and the consequences are rehearsing in the next room at yes, the moment yes. so the noise in the background is, is the consequences yeah and they're lovely people uh, I, I met Lexi I was down uh, at the Cultus convention uh, where I was surprised and shocked to get a, one of these lifetime awards for services to the community honestly uh, I think the last time I won a medal it was the egg and spoon race you know but it was really nice to be like to have that recognized yes. you know for the for the work that we do uh, especially in Canada I, I'm, I'm excited by the possibilities of what you know uh, people like Lexi who's very much involved with Goldus and Ryan who's also he's the PRO for the uh, for the, uh, the province now you know and uh, there's lots of young blood and they're still interested yes. in promoting music la- language dance song and again that aspect is actually really powerful in the North Ireland and Belfast at the moment unbelievable isn't it yeah Stefan yeah. uh, we're going to have to wrap up sure I think what I should wrap up with is um, maybe a track from the Afrocal oh that would be good
send it to yes. them our new album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got a really nice trad track, uh, which is uh, like flute and fiddle. You know, right. that, that would be fun as well. Stefan, if anyone wants to find you online, where do they look? Oh, the easiest way to get me is stefan.com. And if you spell my right, my name right, you got me. So it's S-T-E-A-F-A-N.com. And uh, you find links to your music and everything, and your, all your material and everything all, else. All there, and also on Facebook, if you look up my name on Facebook, S-T-E-A-F-A-N, you'll get hold of me. As you choose. How will we, will we can share more than one? Absolutely. Stefan, I'd love for a minute, a minute, a minute. Oh, no, Harry.